1: Hello, folks. This is Princess. You are listening to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share with your friends.
0: It's tough. We're in a very tough spot. I think that what we're doing right now is of great benefit and virtue because it's an end around between this whole corrupt informational system, media system. We claim to believe in a God who spoke the universe into existence and literally raised himself from the dead. And yet we're not going to believe that anything else exists in the spirit realm, even though
1: his word tells us that they do.
0: Their bodies weren't permitted to go to sleep, like humans do, and they weren't permitted to go to heaven. So they wander the earth. You know, I've seen the eyes turn black to unknown tongues being spoken. These giants would live way up in the highlands. The young graves the young men would hide up in the trees and wait for one of these twelve footers to come walking down the path, and they would jump on him and kill him, They'd drag him back to the village, and the village would feast on the body. Freedom! Then people start to get weapons they start to get armor they start to build cities they start to fortify their cities now god looks down and there's violence everywhere
1: the battle this war that we are at is not against each other it's against these principalities and these rulers and these archons in the high places
0: it's really worthwhile to read the bible yourself
1: fear is one of the primary drivers of mind control because we have to take every thought captive and resist fear You're going to have a testimony that is a justice case against the kingdom of darkness. Welcome back to the Millennial Mustard Seed. I am your host, Rod, and thank you for being here with me. I have an awesome episode in store for you guys. I'm joined by Prince Tebs. And for those of you who enjoyed the Carly T episodes, this is her husband who gets interviewed here, Prince. And we get into a wild conversation. He shares his testimony growing up overseas and literally in the midst of a war and all of the things that he experienced and how God led him and protected him in the darkest seasons of life. And we dive into so much more into his story. He shares this part where I believe it was his father, when he was a kid in Africa, was given to an albino snake spirit (laughs) for two weeks as a dedication through some of the occultic things that he had in his family line christ set him free from all of that his father laying that foundation by coming to the lord being the first man in his family line to come to jesus and be covered by the blood and how that ripples out and changed his family line in his life and in what god is doing right now we just get into all of these cool topics it's an edifying conversation it's eye-opening You know, some of these stories are not so popular here in the States, but I am not going to put um, this ministry in the box of other people's ideas of what they think is comfortable or the right thing to talk about. We want to get down to the truth. I believe the blood covers. I believe Jesus is bigger and more beautiful and more powerful than what we can wrap our minds around and people are coming forward and testifying. And with Prince, it's one of those episodes for the record. This is a part one. And before we jump into this episode, I want to do a reminder for you guys to check the details, check the show notes where you can find the links to help us in our time of need. We appreciate everybody who's been praying for us here at the Mustard Seed Ministry. And we've been going through a lot, but God is good. God is faithful. And we know that sometimes this pruning process It's difficult. It's tough. There's so much going on. I'm not even going to get into it. But let's just say God is working some stuff out in me. And you're going to get the best version of me because I'm in the hands of the doctor getting open heart surgery. I'm just thankful for you guys that are praying for us. And continuing to listen to this podcast it really helps me if you guys would leave me a five star rating and review on your favorite podcast catcher literally it helps the algorithms the next thing i need you to do for me is share this podcast with friends and family members don't forget we are in a time of need so into this ministry we could really use your help and i'm not going to waste any more time because i am ready to jump into this episode With Prince, are you guys ready? Let's go. Go. Go.
0: This is Prince Tebs, the Lord's artisan. You're listening to Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast.
1: Prince, it is an honor to be here with you, brother. Thank you for being here.
0: It's a blessing, Rod. I'm blessed to be here with you, brother.
1: God is doing some very interesting things on how he's bringing his body together, just Mm. what happens behind the scene and just the calling that's going out. You know, we've been talking about the ripple effect as even getting clarity on the idea of it, because it's kind of a concept that, that continually unfolds like our relationship with the living God. And you have some powerful things to share with us tonight. I believe in the freedom of being led by the spirit, brother. So it is my honor to have you here to just sharpen and to share your testimony and just to dive into the weird stuff, the cool stuff, everything that God has planned for us, bro. So just introduce yourself to the audience. How did you become the man that you are today? Man, it is it's a blessing to know you, Rod.
0: <laughs> You know, I want to say that this is, as you know, Rod, and as we've talked about, this is a prophetic encounter. Um, and most of your audience knows my wife, <laughs> Carly Tebbs, who was on here and just blew everyone away. <laughs> <laughs> and just even how she shared how she got on the podcast I remember she came to me and said, the Lord told me to write to Millennial Mustard Seed, write to Rod, and tell him my story. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) all right. And of course, this was her first time being on any podcast, as it is mine. But with what God is doing in these last days, uh, we are the the remnant voices, and all those voices Mm. that have been quiet, right, for so long. And as I'm realizing is that we haven't been quiet because uh, we haven't known what to do. We've been quiet because most of us have been sitting at the feet of Yeshua, like Mary. Wow. Getting prepared, right? So my wife, she writes to you, ends up getting on your show, right, has the first... Fantastic. I'm so proud of her. I really am. I'm so proud of her. And I listened to her and uh, it just blew me away. I was blessed as her husband to hear. I mean, of course, I know my wife's story, but to hear her on here and you two fellowshipping as you did and her having the opportunity to just be a blessing to so many people, it was awesome. So she comes to me after that episode and she says to me, the Lord said, that you are going to end up on Millennial Must Succeed Podcast. And I'm like, um, (laughs) here we are. What what are you talking about? But if that's what the Lord said, then that's what the Lord said. And then she also goes to say, she said, we're going to end up on the show together, you and I. And we're going to tell our story about the journey of our marriage because that's a whole i believe rod the story of our marriage will definitely set captives free i believe that Please it can. will definitely be a blessing to many people who are struggling in their marriages right now and probably on the verge of quitting mm. because Throughout our marriage, we have been on the verge of quitting so many times, and God has judged all of our enemies to the point that I am so in awe of him by the woman i married to and the man that I have become because of the woman i married to. She has been my refiner's fire to become the man that I am today. She, she has been instrumental in the Lord's hands, but I'm, I'm kind of diverting right now. I'm going to try to
1: stay on track. So, <laughs> you know, well, um, it seems like Carly's always right. And here oh you are, right? <laughs> it's like, man, she, she has oh an anointing God, on her. To set has free and you mm-hmm. have an anointing on you. And mm. your story, because we have talked about this off air, you've been joined, and this is what's cool. And this is why I encourage, you know, people that are out there listening and you guys, I've been getting your emails. I am literally overwhelmed at this point. I'm going to respond because there's so many emails coming in, brother, of people just like me and you. Mm. So th- the ministry of what God is orchestrating and what is coming together, it's going to start to line up. Like we're going to need bigger catchers men for the man that the Lord is going to send us. Right. Because Amen. me and you have been on the men's prayer call. So mm-hmm. we've been doing this men's prayer call on Thursdays where we get together and we're just sharing our hearts. It's unlike, it's not, really scheduled or rigid if you will we let the spirit lead and each one of us gets to to pray that's the kind of one common theme about these men's prayer calls is everybody's voice the simple prayer of yes and amen all the way up to we went into battle we've seen prophetic stuff happen mm, all kinds of good stuff happen so god is doing a new thing and I'm, ho- I'm hoping prince that it this stirs up other people out there listening so want to either participate other men on the prayer mm-hmm. call mm-hmm. to participate or start that themselves because you said something a couple minutes ago this end time remnant and the voices going out and your story and what god has laid on your heart i'm excited for this one amen so bro i want you to tell us you know how did you become the prince you are today just take you know, some time here to fill us in on your story. You know, give us the 30,000, the 90,000 foot view, whatever you have to offer us, bro, to help the audience get familiar with who you are and kind of how you became the man you are today.
0: Right, right. And as I was touching on, my wife is pivotal.
1: She's instrumental
0: in that, right? And just our story of how I have become who I am. But even before that, um... So we were talking offline um, some time ago, and I was telling you about that I'm originally from Liberia, right? West coast of Africa. And um, I lived there for about seven years of my life. I was born there, um, and for seven years of my life, I lived in Liberia. And something happened to me recently, all right? a few weeks ago, I'm standing in my kitchen, and the love of God just hits me, all right? It just, he just downloads his love into my being, and Rod, for the first time in my life, I, I realized how much God loved me and how much I love me. I was sitting there, I'm thinking, I I'm actually amazing. I know it, it, to say it out loud, some, it, it, it almost sounds like conceited, right? But that's not the spirit of this. For the longest time in my life, I hated my life, Rod. I hated who I was, all right? I wanted to die so many times throughout my life. Honestly, from the time I was about nine years old, to about the year 2020 you know covid pandemic whatever people want to call it 2020 came about and from the time i was i'm i'm 42 now i'm 42 this year and um but for from the time i was about 9 years old probably actually sooner than that till the time i was about um uh, 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 39, I wanted to die. I wanted to die every day. I hated my life. I was constantly like, God, why did you allow me to survive that civil war? Why did you bring me here? Why am I here? What's going on? So just going just going back a little bit. So as I said, um, from the time I was born until about seven years old, I live in Liberia, And I had a pretty good life. I had, I actually had a pretty good life. It was one of the times that I can remember in my life that I knew what joy was as a kid. I knew what joy was. I, I felt free. We were actually pretty well off. My, my dad, he works for the National Port Authority. You know, he was, uh, the, 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 the vice president there my mom she worked as a registered nurse so we did pretty well i used to i had a driver that took me to school i worked
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i pretty had a scout. driver who took me
0: to school and picked me up every day wow and remember i told you that i was one of the first kids in liberia who had an atari all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, great. I had an Atari. This thing had 64 games programmed into it. All right? Oh, yeah. And my dad, he had the connection like that because he worked at the in, he worked as an importer and exporter, so he 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 was able to talk to the uh, uh a Lebanese guy who was able to hook him up with something like that and he bought <laughs> it for me. <laughs> he got it for me for my birthday yeah. and i i was the only kid that i knew that had this thing and it so happened i got it on my i got it on my 7th birthday my dad was leaving the country when he got it for me but at the same time there was a civil war kicking off all right i lived in the city i was a city boy I lived in the city part of Liberia, so we weren't feeling the effect of this war yet, but it was happening in the rural areas. Um, So it was kind of a thing of wars and rumors of wars to us. But my dad was leaving the country, so he told my mom to go and stay with my grandmother. So we ended up going to go stay with my grandmother. We couldn't stay in the home we were living in. Um we were staying at, the, we were uh, staying at my grandmother, just coasting, living life, being a little kid. But all of a sudden, one day I we wake up in the morning and there's people running in the street, right? And we're like, what's going on? What is happening? Why are you all running in the street? And they're screaming, the rebels are coming. The rebels are coming. So what had happened was that that war that was in the rural areas had transitioned into the city. And it was now at our doorstep. And we had to vacate. We had to leave that place. I remember my mother had packed up all of our stuff. She, We thought we were going to be able to come back at some point in time to get our things. So she stored everything in the attic. and she had this Subaru. This wasn't a very big car, but there was my, my mother, my grandmother, my grandmother, my, my aunt, who was just a little older than me at the time and her, and, and my other aunt. So we have about four people, myself, my four sisters. All right. We have almost nine people. Who we have to squeeze into this Subaru to vacate this place as soon as possible, and we end up at the Sierra Leone Embassy because that was the closest place we could get to. I guess this is where my the Lord had led my mother to go to. It was it was pretty fortified, incredibly high walls, this giant gate. But, and we were able to get access to this place, but I mean, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. This, imagine just wake, imagine one day waking up in the morning in America and there is just total chaos. That, that it's, it, it's, it's almost unfathomable. But with some of what we're seeing that's happening, you know, maybe it's not. But I know that for us who, are children of God as God has says deep darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people but the glory of the Lord shall rise upon us so i know that that even with something like that happening we are not to be afraid jesus has already told us he's like there's going to be wars and there's going to be rumors of wars lawlessness is going to increase all right but look to me trust in me have no fear So we end up at this embassy, and this was the first time, because one of the things you and I have talked about was um, Shema, all right? What is Shema? Shema being a Hebrew word for understanding. And uh, this was the first time that I began to learn what that word, what what Shema was, even though I wasn't, as a child, didn't know anything about it. But when I look back as an adult male right now with where I am in my walk with the Lord, the Lord is like, I've been teaching you this thing for a long time. So th- what what Shema is in, um, it's Hebrew for understanding, actually an understanding heart. It means the ability to hear the ability to listen and the ability to obey, all right? Mm. This had to be my life during this time, the ability to hear, the ability to listen, the ability to obey, because if I did not do that, I would not be able to survive. And I know my mom, all right, because my mom, God rest her soul, she's been, uh, she passed away 13 years ago actually for pancreatic cancer. But my mom, for as long as I have known her, she has been a rock, a solid child of God, loved the Lord, and if it wasn't for her through this time, Rod, we would not have survived. We wouldn't have survived. My dad is not in the country, and even my dad has confessed that if he was in the, if he was there at that time, he wouldn't have been able to do what my mom was able to do. Okay, so we see these movies where there's a. Uh, uh, There's blown up cars, there's total chaos, there's there's war torn, or even some of those zombie apocalypse type movies. That is what the where we were outside of that place looked like, all right? That was the scenery. That was the environment that we were in. And my mother had to leave this embassy every day to go and find us food and resources she and some other people that would leave every day to go and do that. And I remember the day, the, the first day that we were in this embassy, and she's making some food. I remember she was making some macaroni and cheese. And all of a sudden, all of these other children who had been in the embassy before us started gathering around because these people were hungry. They apparently have been living there for quite some time before we got there. And they're hungry. And all of a sudden, my mom begins to feed. All right? This is some of looking back, the Lord teaching me how to be his child, how to feed the hungry, how to take care of the lost, how to take care of those who are less fortunate. and. They're gathering around and my mom begins to take out food and starts handing it off to them. And I, I am dumbfounded because this is our food. <laughs> I'm seven years old at this time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. this
1: is our food. What is she doing? Yeah. Wow.
0: And she turns to me. I look back. And the Lord said, This was when I first, one of the times I first started teaching you how to hear, how to listen, and how to obey. This is one of the first times in your life. You were a seven-year-old boy. And he spoke to through my mother. And the Lord said through my mother, because they are hungry too, Prince. And it shut me up. I I went. Silent, and I never questioned her motives when she was when she was taking care of other people ever again throughout that process, because it, it, it in my being, even as a seven year old kid, a part of me understood this was the Lord. This is how He works. He doesn't hoard anything to himself. He's open-handed always, always sacrificing, always providing. And it was one of the first times that I, I, I looking back, I saw the Lord. I saw him move. And <clears throat> this time was a very traumatic time. I look back on it in my culture. This is the thing about the Liberian, Liberian culture. In Liberia, there's no uh, therapy. All right. You don't go to therapy. You, you muscle through things. In the, <laughs> in the Liberian culture, you muscle through things. You don't go through a psychologist or psychiatrist or anything like that. You muscle through things. So, as a seven year old kid, we, I spent a year with my family in in this place. In uh what not necessarily the embassy, we were there for the majority of the time. All right? And just to behold how God protected us because like I said, outside of those gates were horrors. There were times that even where we we were, we would come out and there would be bullet holes in the sides of our cars. While there were wars, there, were, there was a war being fought outside of the gates, but the Lord had angels establish all around us. Not at any point in time where we harassed while that war was being fought outside those gates. All right. But it came a time. It came a time that we had to leave. We couldn't stay there any longer. All right? And at this time was when the enemy thought he could attack us. This is when he thought he could attack us. Um, there came a day when some rebels, the rebel forces... They had disguised themselves as though they were allies. They as though they came to help us. They came to the gates and they got they were let in somehow. And they were telling us, hey, if you come with us, you know, it was kind of one of those come like a uh, Terminator. Uh, uh uh come with me if you want to live, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> wow
0: they came and <clears throat> they were trying to have us believe that they were salvation <clears throat> because the thing about the rebel forces man they were they were atrocious they did heinous things to people a lot of the forces that were part of the rebel forces were children my age men it went from my age probably even younger To grown men. And the way you joined the rebel forces was that you, they would have a young child, a boy, really, kill his family, traumatize him. Like we we talk about these things. You've had Dan Duvall on here that he's talked about satanic ritual abuse and trauma and programming. And, and many of your other guests who have talked about these things, but this is what the, the, the methodology was. This is what the enemy was having these people do, that they would program these young boys through trauma. So many of the rebel forces were just a bunch of traumatic uh, uh, traumatized young men and boys. So when they came into an area, they would just, they would steal, kill, and destroy. They were full force working for the enemy, brainwashed by the enemy. The, the horrible things they, were, they would do to women, the horrible things they would do to children. It, it, and, so, and now they're at our gates. The enemies are at our gates But the divine protection the Lord had put around us, right? I think I look back on this thing and I am now baffled and so grateful. I've spent so many years being ungrateful because I have not had Shema. I have not had understanding. I haven't had understanding. So I have lived an ungrateful life for decades about what the Lord had done for me then and what he's been doing for me up to this point in becoming a man of God. And one of the greatest things that the Lord has shown me is gratitude, learning to be grateful. It talks about in Romans chapter one, verse 18, and, and Paul says, he says, because they are unthankful, when humanity is unthankful and ungrateful, they're hearts become foolish and darkened. And I have lived life with a foolish and darkened heart for much of my years. And now that God has brought me to this place that he's opening my eyes, you you talk about the 30,000 high view, and I'm saying we gotta go higher than that. Being at the right hand of Christ, I mean being at the right hand of God, seated in heavenly places in the realm that is Christ Jesus, and being able to see from God's perspective. Because that's what I've had to do. That's what God, that's where God has had to bring me through to to be able to see from his perspective. I have lived so long seeing from my carnal eyes, seeing from my foolish and darkened heart. We we live these life seeing with a foolish, darkened heart. We're blind. We're blind. And a lot of the times we're blind guides leading the blind. Just stumbling around in the darkness. And what happens when you're walking around in the darkness, you literally have to create in your mind what's in the darkness. And a lot of the times it's erroneous. A lot of the times it's false imagery when you're walking about in darkness and I, and I've lived like that for decades, right? And, and I, and what, and a lot of times when you're walking around in the darkness, because you can't see, you're just stumbling, you're stumbling, hitting your toe, banging your knee, you're falling down, you're hitting your elbows, you hit your head. And you're like, God, what's happening? Where are you? Yeah. But I have lived life with ungratefulness as my guide. Ungratefulness. I I shared with you about how at the beginning of this year, before that, in December of 2022, as the Lord gave me a word, he gave me direction for 2023 that is just all part of this process. I was asking the Lord, what is my new year revelation? What is the new year revelation, God? Because I've come to realize that for years, I've asked the Lord, not, not even asked the Lord, I have declared, this is my new year resolution. We know we do that. it's It's, it's part of the programming. It's part of the programming. A new year resolution. What is the new year resolution? And people go into the new year with a new year resolution, something that they they declared. They didn't seek the Lord about it, really. It's they declared it. And the Lord has shown me. He's like, that's pride. And a lot of the times, the new year resolutions, they fail because it's self-driven. And God is like many other plans in a man's heart, but only my purpose will prevail. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing that whole new year resolution thing. He placed within my heart because I started seeing a little more clearly. He placed in my heart, he says, and I ask him, I ask him, I'm like, Lord, what is the new year revelation? What is the new year revelation for 2023? and the lord began talking to me about how i was seeing things he started talking to me about how i've been living life ungrateful he been he started talking to me about the darkness walking around about in the darkness not seeing things from his perspective come up higher instead of just have looking at things horizontally instead of Having those premeditations in your heart about other things and situations, someone offends you, you sit, we sit there and we meditate. We meditate on what has been done or what can be, and it's all messed up. So the Lord is like, you, you need to start practicing Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, thinking on the things that are good and holy and pure and praiseworthy, the things that are noble. He started having me meditate on that scripture. And before the year was over, he had someone come and confirm the word to me. A prophetess. (laughs) My sister, one of my sisters, who I did not realize operated in the prophetic. She shows up one day at my house before the year is over. Okay, okay. And calls me outside. She's like, Prince, can you come outside? And I'm like, and right away I'm thinking, I'm still going through the process of being delivered of my foolish, darkened heart. So right away I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. What did I do? (laughs) Because she doesn't just show up like this. Um, I go outside. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Yeah. I go outside and she's like, "Um, Prince. I just came back from taking the children to the clinic for their checkup. And while I was there, the Lord was talking to me about you. And he said, I needed to come and give you this word. And I'm like, oh, okay. What's going on? So I can see she's kind of beating around the bush because she doesn't know how I'm going to take it. All right. But she doesn't realize that the Lord has already been talking to me about it. So I'm just listening, though. I'm just. And she finally gets to her point. She's like, The Lord said to me these exact words, adjust your focus. And then she begins to give me the scripture, Philippians 4, verse 8, that he already had me meditating on. And I'm like, Wow. Okay, God. Okay, God. And I just confirm to her, just to put her at ease, I'm like, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've asked the Lord for a new year revelation, and everything you have shared with me is what he said. You you Thank you for delivering this word. And I walked through the door of 2023 with that new year revelation, and it, ch- it has changed my life. It has changed drastically changed my life. Because like I was saying, just coming back around, I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm feeling the love of God upon me. I'm feeling, I have never felt this love before. And I feel it, his love pouring upon me, but I'm also feeling it for myself. And I am just in awe. Because I have never actually truly loved me. I have not loved who I've been. I have not loved who I've been as a husband. I have not loved who I've been as a as a, as a father. I've not loved who I've been as a son. I've not loved who I've been. I have not loved me. I've never known what it was to love me. My wife has suffered greatly because I have not known what it was to love me. I have not known what it was to really love God. And he's pouring it upon me in this time because of the journey that he has taken me through all of 2023. All of 2023. Because I left Liberia traumatized. right? I left it traumatized. Those rebel soldiers showed up. They were trying to take us away from this sanctuary. They wanted to take us away from the sanctuary. And before they could do that, the freedom fighters, this is what they called them. These were some Nigerian soldiers who had joined the army to push back the rebels. And at that moment... When the rebels had showed up to try to trick us into leaving this place that God was protecting us, because it the day that we were to leave the place had come, it had come. This was the day. And But the enemy shows up knowing that the day that we were to leave this sanctuary had come. But God had sent some forces to push them off. Because when those Nigerian soldiers, those freedom fighters showed up, they, the, a, a fight began. At one point in time, there was a rocket that hits one of the buildings I used to play in. And this thing, di- it was a dud. I, the angels that were on assignment in this place weren't playing around. There, there was a rocket sticking out, out of the side of one of these buildings. Right, I used to play in that building. I, I, I man, I recall it, just like it was yesterday. There's a rocket sticking out of the side of the building. I remember looking at that thing, and it had not exploded, because the angels God had stationed in that place had stopped it there was we we did not suffer everyone who stayed in that place did not suffer death. we were starving we were hungry right we were death we, we felt destitute but not a single life was lost who stayed within that place there were people who actually at points in time left that sanctuary and we never heard from them again. We ended up finally leaving that place. And as we drove away, we, could, we just saw all the devastation. The devastation was insane. The, it, the, these places that I had seen before, just unrecognizable. It looked like something out of the movies that we watch here. And we're driving along, going through, heading to the National Port Authority, actually where my dad used to work. And before we get there, This vehicle that we had loaded into, this vehicle was having issues even starting in the first place, and now it was having issues stopping because there was a soldier who, although he wasn't one of the rebels, but there was a soldier who, a a, a blockade, and we were supposed to stop at this blockade, and this vehicle isn't stopping, this vehicle that we're in, it's not stopping. (laughs) And there's a soldier standing in front of us with a grenade launcher pointed at our vehicle. And the vehicle isn't isn't stopping. And we're praying. We begin to pray. And finally, the vehicle stops, man literally inches away from this guy and he is swearing i can i see his eyes he's his eyes are bloodshot and i hear one of the adults are talking about like he's high he's on drugs he's on drugs there Mm. was nothing stopping this guy because he wasn't going to get reprimanded for it there was going to be nothing stopping this guy from annihilating all of us But just before the vehicle got to him, inches away from him, it had stopped. It was like God had just put an angel in front of it and just stopped it. So, and and from that, (laughs) from that point, we end up in this new place of refuge where all these people have been gathering because now... um, there were ships that were coming in from Sierra Leone to take people out of Liberia to Sierra Leone. So all these people had now gathered at the National Port Authority, and this was the first time I truly began to experience death. There was people were dying from sickness and disease in this place, cholera. And the stench of death was just palpable, just in the air. My mom, my sister, my grandmother were gathering together on blankets, sleeping on the ground, you know, in the open air. Once again, God had protected us. No, No one who was within our team was afflicted by this. And our time finally came and we were able to get on that ship. And this rod was the first time I look back as I just look back on these memories with the Lord. And as he ministers to me, um, this was the first time he, as a kid, you're really not thinking about these things, but when, when you sit with the Lord to analyze your life and he shows you all the times that he's been there. And he shows you all the times that even what other people were going through, it's, it's sobering. It's a humbling experience. Because he showed me my mom. There was a day uh, during this process this year, he showed me my mom. How this was the first time her being on that ship that she was able to breathe. Because all those months of being in that sanctuary, safeguarding us, protecting us, going out, finding resources, all those months, all, the, all, that, all those days, all those moments, not knowing that whether her family will survive to, uh, until tomorrow or not, that being on that ship was the first time she was able to breathe. And it was interesting because that I wasn't even thinking about it at that time. I wasn't even thinking about it until the Lord really showed it to me. He, I had a flashback of her. I had a flashback of her face. I had a flashback of her mannerism of just being for the first time being able to let go. And because my experience on that ship was an Oliver Twist experience, not. <laughs> We had we had obtained some ration. Yeah. Man, I was so malnourished. I was one of those starving kids that we see on TV. I was so malnourished, a big distended belly, but just skinny, skin and bones. To go from being having everything, <laughs> one of the only kids having an Atari, having my own driver, having a cook to having absolutely nothing. Barely having skin on my bones. And I'm on that ship. And these soldiers are handing out rations to people. I got the ration. And I was still hungry. And I go to my mom and I say, Mommy, I'm still hungry. And she says, Well, just go and I mean she's just trying to relax at this point. <laughs> she's she's like, go and ask the soldier for more food. So I was like, okay. So I went over there. Sir, can I have one more? Please, sir. Can I have some more? <laughs> <laughs> what I got was not more ration. This <clears throat> man had a belt, he took his belt off and began to flog me. He took his, he, I got flogged. I got a flogging. And I went back to my mom just crying, just crying. And I, and, and as I look back, I see that it just added to her load. It added to her load because she was like, I had sent him there and, you know, he got this flogging and I, and I was actually mad at her. <laughs> You told me to go, <laughs> but um, yeah, this transition, this transformation, and then having to go from Sierra Leone, going through that journey, it was actually the first time we reconnected with my dad. It was the first time my dad saw us in a year. He said all he do, all he could do was pray, not knowing if his family was alive or dead. And we spent a few months in Sierra Leone, and then we were able, through family members in the U.S., to get visas and finally be able to journey to America. And... I come back around to this thing about not knowing about trauma, our community, the Liberian community at the time, my parents, let's just narrow it down. My parents, because they didn't know, they didn't know about how, what we went through, what it did to us, how it broke us, how it fragmented us, the damage it had done to our souls. They didn't know. So. I'm living this life now in this new country, trying to adapt to society. And I'm struggling. I, I'm I'm desperately struggling to be able to fit in. I used to get clown talking about, oh, you're fresh off the boat. Uh, <laughs> you know, and all these things that usually that back in that time period, the kids would make fun of us and all that stuff and my parents doing everything they can they're doing everything they can to provide a new life for us so we lost them we didn't have our parents the way we had them in liberia when we moved to america we lost our parents they were trying to build a new life for themselves for years and we were pretty much left on our own My, they did what they could, but we were absolutely left on our own. And I grew up not having a father figure, even though my dad was in my life. I grew up not having a father figure. I grew up not knowing what it was to be a man. I learned, I was learning through the media or at least what we, what was the media during the 90s. And through the uh, 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 early 2000, it was what ta- taught was teaching me how to be a man. And as we well know, if our children are being raised by the media, it is not teaching them how to be good people. It, it, wasn't, it's, it was no different in that time. I didn't know how to be a man. I, I grew into manhood not knowing how to be a man. I, I grew up with a promiscuous mindset, as so many people I'm sure can even relate to. Because even though in Liberia it was one of the, I, I had a happy childhood. One of the things that entered into my life at an early age, at the age of five years old, was that I was molested. I was molested by a few, fam- a, a couple family family members. And anyone who has dealt with molestation, anyone who has dealt with sexual abuse, that is one of the main ways those spirits will enter into a person. So I had a journey with that as a kid. But even with that, I still knew joy in that time in my life in Liberia. But when everything hit, it it just seemed like there was just a compounding, a compounding, a compounding. And once I came to America, it was one of the first times I was really even introduced to pornography at like the age of, I believe I was like 11 or something like that. It wasn't many years after um, our transition. I was introduced to pornography. And that thing ruled my life. It ruled my life as a, man, as a young boy. And I understand that spirit. So it's like even when I'm mentoring other men and boys, I understand that spirit. I understand that pornography, it's a sex ritual. It, it is one of the dark arts of our enemy. What those people are doing in pornography is actually a sex ritual. It's an occult practice. It's an orgy. And when we partake of pornography, it is like Jesus said, if you even look after a woman to lust, you you have already committed that sin in your heart. So, What happens when you're watching pornography? What happens as a young boy introduced to this thing now? You've already got spirits. You've already got the spirit of lust upon you because, uh, well, me anyways, the, I've got, I had the spirit of lust upon me because of what happened to me when I was five years old. Now I'm watching pornography and then now it has it is indoctrinated me. It, it, is, it has become a part of my being. I can't shake it. I can't shake it to the point that, oh my God, it controlled, it controlled how, how I saw intimacy, not as a young child, not even knowing what intimacy was sexual intimacy and then dictated my teenage years. There were times that I was, I would cry out to the Lord because the thing about it is that religion has always been part of my life. And that I would cry out to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, take this away from me. Take this away from me. I remember I was like around 13, 14, like crying out to the Lord. Take this away from me. I don't want it anymore. And we end up throwing stuff away, throwing the CDs and stuff away, try to get rid of it. But it would come back because I didn't understand what was happening to me. I didn't understand some of the things that we know now, right? How these spirits are able to enter us, how they will fragment our souls, how they cause uh, 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 dissociation, that we dissociate. I didn't understand any of that because unfortunately, none of that is really being taught in the church. And my parents didn't even know I was going through any of this stuff. So I go into adulthood as a man, and I have no clue what love is. I think love is what I've been watching with the porn. I think that's what it is. Like, I'm sure so many people have come to identify with this. Is, this, this Overabundance of identity disorder that's currently happening and happening in our nation, in the world. My goodness, man, Rod, I feel I want to jump in. Wow, I am just going off. I'm so.
1: <laughs> so, I literally have been on an emotional roller coaster with you. I heard fragments of your story, like the Atari, right? You know, we we kind of like talked about that the one night, and I, I had no idea it went as deep as what you just shared here. Hmm. <laughs> we talk about our testimonies and how it, the ripple effect, can go out and unlock other people, Prince. And as I'm sitting here listening to you, I just know, I just, I trust what the spirit wants to do. I trust when God wants to capture a part of a man or woman's story. And for that to be presented before the body, I trust that's what God wants. And Mm -hmm. I am sitting here just... I'm just emotionally I'm watching fragments of this story that you shared with me in my mind I mean Mm. just profound moments bro when you said the rocket hit the building that you used to play in but it was a dud it was a dud I mean bro I couldn't I'm emotional I didn't know it went that deep I don't know how Mm. god does what he does but to the glory bro yeah of how he's drawing these stories out of men and women and how people are riding the wave of these testimonies these depictions of the experiences we've been through Mm. i'm humbled and really i'm just i forgot i was interviewing I just was captured up in your story. Literally, I mean, literally, I'm just sitting here listening and I'm like, oh Lord, God. Mm. Mm. So I, girl, I, I am thrown off my game in a good way. I'm not even ashamed about it. I'm not it doesn't even matter to me. Oh. That we we have captured now a foundation. You gave me what I asked for. I said, mm. I had no idea where we were going to go. But we have now captured your foundation, brother.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah. And it is not by accident, by any means, wow. that God gave you everything to share about your testimony and story this far. And that this is scratching the surface.
0: Mm. Yes, <laughs> definitely.
1: It definitely <laughs> is, man. It it wow. really
0: is because wow, wow. Yes, yes, it is. I, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate this journey I have been on, though, though, Rod. I, I appreciate. I have come to the place that I will, I would not change anything of what I've been through. And like you're saying it's only the surface i'm I'm still above I'm still on the surface of the water here about things because God has revealed to me why he had me go through the things that he has had me go through the heartbreaks the traumas all this stuff for one of the things is that I couldn't stay in Liberia right I couldn't stay there it all, I. It's so incredible to think this, but I'm like, the war, I'm literally able to apply that the war happened because of me also. And other people like me who God, in this day and age, is doing a new thing with. Because one of the things yes. you don't realize about me is yes. that I, I do have an occult background. Hmm. I come from an occult. I've come from a background of ritualistic priests and kings Mm. in Liberia on my mother and my father's side. And if I had stayed in Liberia, I would have been indoctrinated into that. It would have been inevitable.
1: So I want to, I want to ask you this hmm. with that background help me and the audience to understand, like, does, is that like how Freemasonry takes place here in America, right? Or the religious organizations that sometimes cross, well, most of the times they cross wires with these secret occultic organizations that are stumbling blocks they're snatching a lot of a lot of the lights that are that are supposed to be getting brighter um for such a day as this at an early age in the bondage Mm -hmm. right the the satanic ritual abuse that happens and what's birthed out of that these traumatic false identities false timelines right all of this stuff is like this pre-planned attack of the enemy but over there in in africa do you think that that is a reflection of for example like how we see freemasonry here today just help me understand like the occultic background from africa like i'm trying to how does that fit in or where does that measure against because i'm pretty well studied in, in the occultic stuff here in america but i don't know much about anywhere else right so just help me make sense of it a little bit.
0: So in countries like Africa, right it's uh, there is Freemason. there are Freemasons in Africa all right The government if you if you are a government official, which partly my father was, you are part of the Freemason. My grandfather was part of was a Freemason. Um, I believe my grandfather on my mother's side was a Freemason but there's also a cult which is called the Sano society which is more tribal because in in Africa is more about tribal gods and things like that. I don't know if you've ever heard of um General Butt Naked.
1: I'm sh- <laughs> I
0: believe you probably no, heard it sounds like a wild
1: story though. Oh my goodness. I've never heard of that. Yeah, so he
0: was just he was one he was actually one of the rebel leaders. And so in like in Liberia, it's it's there are a lot of tribes. There are many tribes and in that civil war was a tribal war. So my on my grandfather on my mother's side, he was one of the peop, one of the uh uh they were known as the Kunga the the Kunga people when the early settlers when the, some of the slaves were coming back from from America they were going back to the west coast of Africa all right and they were setting up shop there and because they were well educated they started taking more of a leadership role and then oppressing the other tribes all right so that war that took place was a war, kind of a war of liberation, but more in a carnal sense. It's just that this other tribe, the other tribes got fed up. Talking about the occult, it's more, there are tribal gods. There are these deities that people were worshiping in these different tribes. So say, for instance, my on my dad, uh, my dad has informed me that when he was a young boy, his father took him to the rural the rural area of liberia the the bush they call it the bush and in the bush they were he was he was taken through an occult ritual and in this ritual, my father was handed over to a mer-person, a myrrh folk in the form of an albino serpent. And this serpent took my father underwater for two weeks and fed him there. So it was... <laughs> It was those kind of things that were happening, and he, he 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 tells me the story. He's now saved. He's born again. He's given his life over to the Lord. And uh, out of my family line, my direct family line from from me to him to my grandfather, who had taken him to into this ritual. My father was the first man in that line to give his life to the Lord to fully live for God and he has been able to live over the age of 60 because most of the men in my family line were not allowed to live over the age of 60. So we asked the question, is it like um, how it is in America? America cloaks it very well. Yeah. It, it's more cloaked. I mean, we see it in everything, though, the symbology, right, the symbolism. We see it in everything. They hide it in plain sight but in america it's more civilized in africa it's not really hidden you know people are practicing witchcraft you know they're in the occult this is actually how they're getting ahead this is partly how we got ahead in liberia because of this occult activity the this, this uh, uh satanic the satanic rituals that my father was involved in that his father was involved in the satanic rituals that my um my mother's father was involved in this my my mother's father he uh he had uh being one of these guys who had come back from america and he he established a plantation and Obtained himself 25 wives, ended up with 100 children that we knew of at the, you know, that they knew of, because the thing about him is that he traveled all over the world. So we've probably got family members all over the world that I don't even know about. But he was part of that Sano society. He was part of that, 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 that occult. And from what I have learned through, um, even just some of the things that Carly has shared with me, because my wife is a prolific seer in our times of prayer and her times of prayer and meditation, as she has prayed for me, interceded on my behalf about how there were so many women who were scorned and who went and then did rituals to curse my, the males in my family line. Man, there are so many men in my family my cousins or those who have come before me that are just not prospering because of some of this occult activity. Because a lot of what happens in the occult is that, especially from what I know about which I had to be broken from. I had to go through cleansing. I had to go through healing. I had to go through deliverance. And honestly, being connected with bride ministries, I I was able to do some coaching through them. Had had some amazing experiences through them, you know. And besides that, just some of the the deliverance, the deliverance process that God Himself has taken me through, just in my time of prayer and meditation. All right, and um, so there were a lot of women who were scorned by these men. And on top of that, then they would go and do satanic rituals to curse the men in my family line. But then on top of that, a lot of these occults, what they will do in order for them to prosper, especially from what I know about what was happening in Africa in my, with my family line, in order for them to prosper, they will literally forsake their children and their descendants. They would say, the contract is made with us and our descendants will pay for it. We will take the riches and the glory right now, and our bloodline will pay for it. I believe it's, a, it's some of what happens in the American culture as well. It seems like wow. it's, it's, it has to be passed down. Yeah, there's always a yeah. handing down. There's always a handing down. So what has happened was that my grandfather had handed down the mantle to my dad. Mm. And if I had stayed in Liberia, eventually that mantle would have had to be handed down to me. So because my grandmother, though, my dad's mother... Because she was a God-fearing woman, she was interceding for her son. I believe that's why my dad was taken out of the country. He didn't see a day of that war. Because if he had stayed, he would have died. They would have killed him. Some way, somehow. But God took him out of the war before it even... Before... uh, uh, The country was locked down because the country was locked down. No one could leave and no one could enter. So God took him out, sent him on a business trip. He comes back from his business trip and finds out he can't enter the country because the war has, has ignited. It's everywhere now. And his family is in the midst of it. So he was taken out of that country, I believe, because of my grandmother's prayers for him. That's why wow. it's like it's so imp- important to be interceding for our children. Yeah. It's like no so, matter what they're doing, no matter what they're going through, no matter what it looks like right now, we intercede because our our prayers, our intercession, our decrees over our children, no matter what it looks like where they are right now, it matters more than anything.
1: So what, a, man, just what I'm kind of seeing, and this is, this is interesting because the enemy's long range plan, you know, everybody wants to focus on like the enemy, right? A lot, Not everybody, mm. but I look at a lot of the content that's being produced today. I look at a lot of podcast episodes, a lot of fear-based things, right? Right. It's, it's driving fear home. It's the horror movie culture. It's the next pandemic culture. It's all of these things that stir <laughs> up fear. Right. But God, right? But God. And you see the long range plan of the enemy in your own personal life. And you're able to testify. You can't help but realize, like you talked about in the beginning of this episode, when I reflect and I look at the Lord and I have these flashbacks and these visions of the posture of my mother and how God was teaching me these things throughout my life that, that at the time you didn't, you didn't get it at the time. I didn't get it. God has the long range plan. Amen. 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 And bro, how he is working and molding and positioning people because your story, Prince, your testimony, everything that you've experienced, you are a walking testimony. And there are specific people that only you can reach with what you have to offer. Hmm. You are like a secret weapon of the Most High God to the plans of the enemy to uh, to literally cut off the long-range plans Hallelujah of the enemy in other people's lives. Hallelujah. And this is <laughs> just a small portion of it. This podcast mm. episode, this, this time of us coming together and being transparent and you sharing your testimony, building the foundation for what I believe is going to be many parts down the road. Amen. I think I think we're gonna unpack your story as we go, and unravel uh, because there there's so much. Like we have been praying and ministering together in the personal space, off of the podcasting God. airways, and and you're like prolific in in seeing things in the spirit and coming with word of knowledge. Mm. And right back to the beginning of this episode, you had talked about the remnant voices being woken up. There's a sleeping giant, not a Nephilim giant, although that would be interesting to talk about the Nephilim here at some point with you. But there's oh, a real giant in the spirit. Hallelujah. Even if there's only 300 men in Christ, mm. we would not fear a small nation descending upon us. Amen. Amen. That is the Joshua and Caleb spirit and everything God has brought you through, bro. I see that position that how God is setting you up and using your story. You, your testimony is going to draw people out of a dry place. There, there's literally dry bones, dry places. There's parchment sections of people's lives and minds that are going to get going to get watered and unlocked Mm. by hearing your story. Amen. Wow. Okay. We're going to start to wind down here a little bit. So uh, there's definitely a part two that, that we're going to schedule (laughs) to, wow, we have a lot of places to go, but what (laughs) I'd like you to do at this point, bro, is just from everything that you've testified on tonight. I just want you to speak what you feel led to speak to the Mm. listeners out there about God's glory and about what God does, what only he can do to draw us out and just give us some encouragement as we kind of start to wind down. Amen.
0: Amen. I know one of the things that really keeps resonating with me and sticking that the Lord is just amplifying for me is how we, the remnant voices, the children of God, those of us who have the kingdom of God within us, we who have chosen Yeshua as Lord, that we are his inheritance. And this was actually the thing that led to me coming to the place to just really feel God's love and feel it for me and feel it for all of you every single one of you. I'm learning how to love. God is showing me that. And I asked the Lord one time, I'm like, Lord, why would you choose this life for yourself? Because as it says in Galatians chapter uh, Galatians chapter um, two, verse 20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, that the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith Man, by the faith of Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. Why would you choose this life for for yourself? Because he chose this life. Everything I've experienced in this life, he chose this for himself. This is what he has wanted to go through. This has been his inheritance. And as I have been meditating on this and crying out to the Lord before I got to have that experience of just really feeling his love for me and that love for myself and being able to love my wife and love my children and love all of you is that I was crying out to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, turn this this scripture, Galatians uh, 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 2 verse 20, into a reality for me. Turn it into a reality. Let it not just be a confession of my mouth, but a confession of my heart. And I heard Jesus speak and he said, Your whole life is my inheritance. This is Jesus, and I I heard him. He was like, "Your whole life is my inheritance. It's my inheritance." He's like, "When I was in the flesh, God in the flesh, I came to save you. It was my mission, my purpose. My I was cut off from my generation. I wasn't here to leave physical seeds like you get to leave, or be marry a woman and have children. That wasn't my purpose. My purpose." but to save you, because I knew when I save you and you accepted me as your Lord and Savior, I would come through the door that is you and have my inheritance. He's like, stop blocking me from my inheritance. This life is mine. This is my inheritance. Don't block, don't close the door. Let me have my inheritance. This is not your inheritance. Your inheritance is the kingdom of heaven. Your inheritance is to go before the throne boldly to find mercy and grace in time of need, to to be able to cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and and is to come. To be able to get those treasures in heaven, those rewards, that is your inheritance. To have everlasting life. He's like, when you allow me to have my inheritance through you, you live a perfect life. You live the life you're supposed to live. You get to see the big picture. You get to see from that 30,000 high view. And beyond that, everything that you were missing, you get to be able to feel true love. Know what that feels like. Your eyes are open. You're no longer stumbling around in the darkness. You're able to ask for things like a new year revelation and then be able to have that so you can go into your new year. And live the life you're supposed to be living. This is why I'm able to see my life as I see it now. This is why I'm able to go into 2024 and the things that God is showing me, y'all. Like we're like Rod is saying, part two. The things are are coming down the line. The the it's incredible. It's incredible, and that's that's all of our portion. But the Lord is like. Let me have my inheritance. Let me have my inheritance through you. So, I mean, I just want to share that. I hope that blesses someone. It, it, it means something. It resonates. That it's a seed sown that you can just let go. Let go. Let him have his way.
1: Wow. What great encouragement. And for all you guys out here listening, I know that this one, this testimony affected me. I know that God is doing a new thing. So I'd just like to ask you guys as listeners to share this episode, pass it along. Keep us in prayer over here on the Millennial Mustard Seed podcast ministry. As God does a new thing and opens new doors and new testimonies are coming forth and the remnant voices are waking up and testifying. There's one thing that Dan Duvall said years ago. it stuck with me. Hmm. It's actually in the intro to this podcast. You're going to have a testimony that is a justice case against the kingdom of darkness amen i'm gonna ask you guys to share this with a friend family member with a co-worker share it with your pastor share it with your congregation if you guys are meeting in the home church if you're meeting in the building pass this one along i don't care how you do it but just share coming to you from southeastern pennsylvania god bless and goodbye